Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. Good to know. I'm doing better. Because before you were just writing them for you, and now you're like, oh, I need to write them for somebody else to read them. Yeah, I can't promise that's going to happen this episode. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, speaking of which, welcome to the Macabre Academy. Oh, we are live. We are all the way live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, and we are still live in front of a studio audience. What, Icarus and my stuffed animals? Yes. Mm. Yes. I never right. said what kind of studio audience, just that we have one. That's fair. That's fair. And apparently the laugh track went over very well last episode, so. I did not listen to it, so I didn't hear where she put the laugh track <laughs> I have to, have have to been, go back. We have been receiving positive feedback on the laugh track. So, okay, mm-hmm. thank you, Sound Maiden. You're the bestest. She really is. She's a saint. She puts up with me. This was all her idea too. Blame her <laughs> that we have a podcast. So we are coming to you live from yet another very chilly day in Pittsburgh. Holy hell, is it cold? Although I was able to get my hands on something very cool today, and I'm very excited for this weekend. Healthy hooligans? No, yeah. I I do know a place that has them, though it's not hard to they're not hard to get. All right, so what did you get on your hands for the big weekend coming up? I picked up an eight hundred and seventy eight piece Lego bonsai tree kit. I'm seeing those. I'm a little jelly right now. It was fifty two dollars from Best Buy. Which seems to be a lot for a Lego kit, but the wife and I both really wanted to do it. So that's what we're going to be doing this weekend, along with four cats. Well, actually, as far as Lego sets go, the prices have skyrocketed for Lego sets. Like you pay $36 and you get like three Lego bricks now. But yeah, this, yeah, this was $52 and it took, it took like a week to get here from Best Buy. I had to go pick it up in the store today. Well, I did curbside. I didn't go in, of course. But this thing is 878 pieces. And I'm just like, oh, my God. You've got to tweet a pick when you're done with it. I'll probably be tweeting some as I go. But, yeah, 878 <laughs> pieces is fucking Vegas. I'm so mad because the last, like, splurge I had was on um, Battleship Outer Space, which has three sectors where you got to... Nice. We'll ask somebody, hey, I actually need somebody to come over and play that with me. <laughs> I'm taking uh, uh, applications for, uh, you know, f- board game friend status at the moment. There's a game we used to play at the shop called Sight. And it is a super cool game that takes roughly 14 weeks to set up and the entirety of your life to take down. Gameplay's about six hours, and it takes 14 weeks to set up. That's disgusting. That's way too much of a... Oh, it's... Okay, it's not 14 weeks. I'm being facetious. But it it does take a very, very long time to set up. But it is fantastic to play. It's so much fun. Mm. One day. It's also super expensive. We're probably $300 into this stupid board game. Wow. You know what we haven't gotten that far into? Uh, Pretty much anything. 
Yeah, this week's episode. That's because we, uh, we really start. We really need to do this beforehand. We say that every time, and I'm like, "All right, we good? We ready to go?" And you're like, "Yeah." And then banter. Yes. <laughs> I have nobody to talk to, so that's fair. I mean, I'm here. We do this every week. Yes. That's some human contact, right? <laughs> I feel like we should do like a random voice hangout on our Discord just to have somebody to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. This weekend's a no-go, though, because this is going to come out after the holiday weekend. But, uh, yeah, Valentine's Day in a bakery is bullshit. You know what day this episode does come out on? 15th. Right. Do you know what holiday that is? Lupercalia. Is, is that for like leprechauns? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's actually the pagan predecessor to Valentine's Day, and it has to do with she wolves and blood and violence, and then sacrifices, and then eventually it turns into quite the uh, the spectacle with nudity and fertility rights, and then the Christians go, "Nope, Saint Valentine." To squash it. Except we're going to make the cartoon heart shaped like a woman's ass. That's always acceptable. I mean, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> okay. So, you guys have fun looking up Lupercalia. It's not enough for me to do a whole episode on. But today's episode, I... Look, okay. So, I would afraid for anybody to look through my search history or my watch history on YouTube, Amazon, any of it. So this one was actually recommended to me by uh, the, the Amazon Prime, but I guess the documentary is also on YouTube. It's called um, The Voynich Code, the world's most mysterious manuscript. Ooh. You impressed? I am very Curious. impressed. <laughs> you you might not find this as fascinating as I do, so I apologize you in advance. Me, you pulled me away from my favorite movie. You get what you get. Wait, what? What? Hunt what? for Red October is on BBC America. I'm so sorry. Do you, you want me to buy? Just... Should I rent you a digital copy of it to make it up to you? No, I pro- I think I have that. I think I already have it somewhere in the house. Okay. Well, so if it's anything like last week, they're going to just play it on a loop for the next 12 hours, which is only about four showings. Perfect. The movie is so long. I'm, I don't think I've ever seen it, and I'm a movie person. I'm ashamed. On BBC America, I think the runtime is like three and change. Does that include commercial breaks? Yes. Yeah, that'll do it. You know what else will do it? What? The world's most mysterious manuscript. Yeah. That'll yeah. do it too. I'm kind of, I'm kind of absolutely geeked about this. I'm so sorry. Feel free to take any of my notes that you want. Let's hit this thing. Okay. I, I don't got all night. No, you really don't. But good news is it's only ten pages, so it should be about an hour. I got a couch to get back to. Okay. All right. So in 1912, there That's was a, a Polish. It really was. It was over 100 years ago. Actually, that was the same year that my grandparents were born, 1912. Spooky. It was also the year the Titanic sank. Less spooky. (laughs) Okay. There's a Polish book dealer, and his name is Wilfred Voynich. And he found himself at the Collegio Romano 
in Rome. Is that a kind of cheese? Oh, yeah, actually. Romano, Romano cheese. Yes. But at at College of Cheese? Sure. Cheese College. (laughs) Yeah. So this school had fallen into hard times. So they were selling off books and manuscripts to the Vatican, you know, about their secret library stash of books. Have I ever talked about this? Yes, we've talked about this. Perfect. Okay. So Will here, he had limited access, but he was allowed to see one trunk that remained from a Jesuit school. And in this trunk, he found, big shocker, a codex that is now named after him. So a codex is a historical ancestor to a book. And these are often used to reference ancient handwritten manuscripts. And they're definitely bound with stacking pages secured with the front and back cover. I had to look it up. So I was like, what the fuck is the difference between a fucking codex, a manuscript, and a book? Handwriting. Okay. Um, this particular book was made out of vellum, which we see a lot in art history. It's a fine parchment made out of animal skins, more than likely a cat. They estimate the original number of pages was 272 pages, but now they're whopping 240 that remained. And what's interesting is that some have fold-outs. So it's basically a medieval pop-out book. I was saying, oh, it's a pi- oh, I was like, oh, yeah, pop-out books. Yeah, there's some good ones. Get that little tab you got to pull. <laughs> yeah, this is the equivalent of a pop-up book. I love me a good pop-up book. Who doesn't love a good fucking pop-up book? So this book is full of very strange illustrations. They're very colorful, uh, skillful application of the color, but the drawings are very juvenile. So it leaves it very confusing to look at. So he would spend the rest of his life in vain trying to decode the pages of our of our friendly pop-up book here. With yeah. little... <laughs> he, of course, didn't even come close to being able to decode this thing. Yeah, the language was so obscure. So obscure. There are 170,000 characters that intertwine with the drawings, so it's easy for untrained eyes to get lost. There seems to be a numerous way it could be, I'm sorry, it, there seems to be any number of ways that it could be interpreted. It seems that anyone studying the manuscript can find evidence to back up their interpretation. And we're going to get more into this in a little bit. Put a pin in it. Every time we say that, I think about the uh, the scene from Bolt. Wait, like the, the dog? Yeah. From Disney? Yeah. I... I love that movie, but I don't understand the reference. The manager, he's like, let's put a pin in this. He's just yeah. like, That's what he doesn't want to talk about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Every time they say something, he doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, we'll put a pin in that. He just goes. <laughs> <laughs> and now, oh I, now, now I'm thinking about the director going off because there was a boom mic in the shot and the dog can't see boom mics. Oh, it's hysterical. Even though Disney is evil, the movie's pretty good. Now that I got us. You got discombobulated. I did get discombobulated. (laughs) You can extrapolate the contents of the book based on the drawings, 
There are lots of botanicals, herbals, because that's how you actually say it is herbal. Herbals. Herbal. Because there's a fucking H in it. And specific plants that we can still identify today. And in that, you can see the root systems of these plants that also, you can also see the flowers and the leaves. There's a theory that the text could reveal what the plant was, where to find it, and its medical purpose. There are also a few astrological and zodiac charts found within the pages. Some perplexing shapes of galaxies, and a few of them have an optical phenomena. Uh, they're kind of animate, animated if you spin the pages around on a turntable. Yeah, you ever see that like very rudimentary animation of the horse running when it's put through a little viewfinder on a disc? Yeah. Spun around. Yeah. Somebody got the bright idea to put these fucking pages, like a book, on the turntable and spin it. And there's legit animation to the pages. Always sounds fun. Oh, yeah. It, it's incredibly uh, smart and well thought out. But when you put all these things together, they, there's a strong case for it being a medicinal manuscript. The Zodiac charts kind of threw me for a loop for at the moment, but in medieval medicine, it was imperative to know your Zodiac sign so that you could be treated with the proper herbs. They correlated to your birth, apparently. What's also great is there is strong imagery of naked women <laughs> bathing and yes. often, oh yeah, there's naked ladies in here, and they're often pregnant. Um, there's speculation that it could be uh, bathing cures for hydrotherapy, or maybe a coveted secret to the fountain youth. I'd like to think the latter. The last section of the book seems to support this theory with diagrams of how to prepare plants and indicate possible recipes for treatments uh, if they could actually read the fucking text. It also might explain the coded language because during this time, there was very little difference between science and the witchcraft. So if discovered, the author could find themselves in big trouble with the church. Definitely get punished for that shit. The only real thing that Voynich seemed to be able to make any real headway on was discovering an author. So he liked to make uh, repographs of original rare books from his collection and it's basically just a fancy way of saying that he used photographic methods to make copies. Now, while developing the first page of this manuscript, there was a hidden name revealed. And you could only see it now under ultraviolet light. And the name is Jacobus of, oh, I can't even say it, Tenenenzen, T-E-N-E-N-E-C-Z. Now, this guy, he was an interesting motherfucker because he was a famous traveling doctor from the 17th century. And amazingly enough, he was incredibly skilled with medicinal plants. Aliens. <laughs> All right. So, I'm not and, saying he was aliens. But anyway. I mean, it's a possible theory, but uh, we must revisit this later. So, again, in, okay. So in 1608, Jacobus was summered to summered. He was summoned. Did I mention I was drinking rum and coke? I, was like, I don't day. think we. I don't think we can use summered as a verb. 
I don't think we're good. I don't think we're it's rich not enough a conjunction. to use summer. I don't think we're I don't think we're rich enough to use summer as a verb. Mm. Okay. That's so, some like next that's like some next level white people shit. It's using summer as a verb. Wait, how would how would they use summer as a verb? Oh, I summered in the Hamptons. Right, we're too poor for that shit. It's like we're we are we are way too middle class for that bullshit. Oh, I am lower than middle class, just so you know. I'm I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. But yes, we 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 do not have the net worth to use summered as a verb. Fair. So let's try that Jacobus was summoned to Prague by Emperor Ruder Ruderoff. It's gonna be a long one, guys. Strap in. Rudolf the second. So this particular uh, monarch was riddled with depression and melancholia. Yes. This Rudolph did not have a red nose. No. But he did have a red ass. How do you know that he had a red ass? Well, he was an emperor, so he sat a lot. Oh, okay. That's fair. Or maybe, or maybe he was into being spanked. I'm not here to keep shame. <laughs> I love a good spanking. And then the oral sex. Oral sex. I guess I can stay a bit longer. <laughs> I enjoy some peril. Wait, wait, how does the peril part go? If it's, that's the best part. I guess it's a little peril. I like a little peril. What? What is it? Wait. No, no. It is much too perilous. We must go. No, I want to go back and face the peril. <laughs> <laughs> do you, um, just to redirect, do you know what melancholia is? Uh, it was a, uh, shit, I can't think of the band's name. If you're thinking of a band, then you're not quite there. Because I don't think they're around in 1608. They might have been. <laughs> we'll continue while I Google. All right. Well, I first ran into the term melancholia with an Albrecht Durer print, uh, particularly the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which I love. But he also had like this weeping angel called Melancholia and I. So, of course, I had to familiarize myself with what the fuck that meant. I should have gone with my gut because I was right. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness is a studio album by the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because Melancholia is a subtype of depression. Well, so was that album. Yeah, it's also associated very strongly with just uh, despair and guilt, as opposed to regular depression, which has less despair and guilt. All right. So Jacobus treated Rudy here with herbal extracts, and he distilled these himself, and he mixed them with alcohol. That's how he made his reputation. Emperor, big shocker, after multiple doses of alcohol and herbs, his condition improved. And he appointed Jacobus as the imperial chief distiller. And then banked this motherfucker some serious cash. Okay, it helped add to his illustrious good fortunes. And it seemed like he was a very likely suspect for the authorship of the text. But then our podcast would be over. <laughs> the only, see you guys. Nope. Sorry, you're not getting off that Bye. easy. I wanted it to be Jacobus. However, Bye. his signature only indicates that this book had fallen into his possession. <laughs> 
Ah. So Emperor Rudy II was this gullible Rudy. motherfucker who Rudy. loved to collect. Rudy was offsides. A lot, actually. He was kind of out, outfield. I'm on a different sport than you. Yes. <laughs> I was in baseball. Offsides is basketball? Football. I don't do the sports thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's it's funny because I I feel a little bit of a kinship to Rudy here because he loved to collect occult books and instruments. And if you could see my cabinet full of tarot cards and balls and shit, crystals, you know, I kind of get it a little bit. But he was, like I said, gullible. So he would buy anything if you said it was a cult, basically. I get well. That's not far off for me. What's the term? I'm a um, I'm a sucker for novelty too. So I guess me and Rudy are kindred spirits. Anywho, when Voynich purchased the document, there was a letter included with it, written in nineteen in sixteen sixty five, where Doctor Johannes Marcus Marcy uh, was addressing um, Anthony. I should I should drink more rum or less rum. I can't tell at this point. Go be one of the two. Right. Let me take a sip. Hold on. Take a sip. Okay. Athenius Hersher. Now, Athenius was the leading scientist in Rome that was assumed to read all languages. He fucking boasted that he like had deciphered Egyptian hieroglyphs, okay? So the letter explains that Rudolph had purchased the manuscript for 600 ducats. And then it said that the text was a lot older when it had fallen than what was anticipated when it fell into Jacobus's collection. Okay, what do you know about this letter? I know I need to get back to my notes. Yep. It was a hard hint. It really was. <laughs> I tell you were scrolling. I just was watching you scroll. I'm like, he's not looking at the notes. I was going to tweet something out and then got distracted by <laughs> all of this. I didn't pick a coup, did I? What's, what's going on on Twitter? <laughs> oh, uh, I was going to tweet the. I was going to tweet a picture of the the Lego box that I picked up. And then I got distracted by everything. Because, of course, I've been watching the impeachment trial, which is fun. But Okay, wait. Hold on. Uh, wait. Time out. Podcast time out. Not recording time out. So the, the impeachment trial. Okay. Yes. I have questions since you're a political science major. I have answers. Good. Okay. So Maybe. the purpose of further impeaching a president who is no longer in office is to prevent him from re running for presidency. What's the purpose? Partly. Yes. That's apparently a separate vote that comes after they vote to formally impeach him. So wait, what's the point of firm formally impeaching him if he is no longer in office? The Purpose appears to be that they're trying to set a precedent that attempting to overthrow a free and fair election 
and then incite a riot is a bad thing, which is somehow a controversial topic in 2021. Isn't this the first time that one of these post-presidential office impeachments have gone on? Yes. First time ever, right? Yes. Like they've never tried to impeach another president who is no longer in office. Yes. Neato. It's a great time to be alive. Really? We're just we're just seeing history being made over and over and over. I'm actually very I'm actually very excited to see the levels of stupidity that a pair of lawyers who knows that there's no way they're actually going to lose this case go about it tomorrow. Because there's no way that they're going to flip, I think, 17 Republicans they have to flip in order to get him get the votes they need. And that's just not going to happen. So it looks bad. I mean, they might- are they going to be able might, to impeach him or no? Well, I mean, he has been impeached again for the second time, which has also never happened before. But there's no way they're going to get the votes. They're going to need to keep him from doing basically anything in the future. So it's it's just a little song and dance at this point, but it's very fun to watch. Especially for you. Yes, I'm just watching your ponytail go. Like it's some sort of weird satisfaction in watching the shit show. They also, well, actually what was great yesterday is they came out with some new video that nobody had ever seen before from the riots from like the CCTV in the, in the Capitol. Is this on the internet? Should I be looking? I'm sure it is. Yes. Okay. At, At one point they were like 58 steps away from the senators and Congress people that they were attempting to murder. (laughs) And also Eugene Goodman is a national goddamn hero. He needs his own fucking day. All right. So that was current events with Kevin. That should be just a new, that should just be a new weekly thing. (laughs) No, it's definitely a dose of current events with Kevin. Like, I feel like I need that in my life. I think we all need that in our lives. I don't know if we do. I really I, think we do. I this is know. a solid I, drunk decision right here. I have decided. Yeah, but I feel like the next almost, a little less than four years is going to be very boring. You'll find some things. I believe in you. I think I have maybe, I don't know, a year and a half before things start getting zesty again. Witches, I am in love with this family-run business, Mystical Existence, the bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred, so I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. 
A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available in the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com. For 15% off, use our promo code MACABRE. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. You know what, what's currently zesty? I was just trying to talk about it. You derailed me yet again. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm on the drunk train. I'm a hot mess at Express right now. <laughs> Please proceed. I'm sorry. Oh, you, you can't get mad at me for going off on a tangent when you're the one who led me on said tangent. You're like, you carry it, carry it, carry it. I'm like, Ooh. I was enabling 100%. You were enabling. <laughs> but you normally enable my alcohol, so... I enable whatever bad decisions you care to make. Oh, God. I got a list I need you to help me with. You know what else had a list? The letter. This letter we were talking about about five minutes ago now. (laughs) Back to my document that I think is so fucking interesting. The letter claimed that Voynich. 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 There you go. He's a Polak. And I, I can forgot. say Polak. That's our word. I'm Polish. Okay. Was This guy was authorized by Roger Beacon in the 13th century. He was deemed a miracle doctor despite being a member of the clergy who fell into trouble with the church numerous times. He was even in prison uh, once or twice there. And uh, it was for ideas ahead of his time. Sure was. Yeah. How I was da- how, just going to say that. Yeah. How dare he try to do the science? How dare he? You know what's also ahead of its time? Hmm. An 878-piece Lego bonsai tree that also ha- not only has regular petals, it also has pink ones. I'm very excited. I'm probably going to put the pink ones on. Hand motion. Putting the pink ones on. So excited. Roger was one of the first Europeans interested in the optical phenomena. He was the first to explain how the existence of rainbows and along with his experiments with reflection and reflection of light. Reflection? Yes. Reflection? Is that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Apparently I'm I committed. misspelled it. No, you just, I mispronounced it, but I just committed real hard. It's I like just committed to it. But it's a reflectuation of light. <laughs> there's an inflatuation. There's flatulation. There's exflatulation. <laughs> there's premature flatulation. He even tried to correct eye problems with lenses, which was a bit ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. He worked with magnifying glasses, which also might explain some of the bizarre nature of the illustrations in the book. Some of the exaggerated details of the plants may show patterns of 
flora and fauna as seen through the microscope. It's also theorized that it's an attempt to reveal the hidden world that is too small for the human eye to see unaided. Again, the coding is thought to protect him from the fear of future prosecution as an infidel. It's a fantastic theory, but of course the microscope wasn't invented until the 17th century. And it's thought that there is no way that someone could see that level of detail prior to the invention of said microscope. By Cornelius Strebel. Yes. Cornelius. And Anthony. No, I really feel like there's the Cornelius in the fifth element. I was going for the cigar company. I want a cigar so bad. I want this all to be over so I can go take my bourbon and get absolutely trashed at the cigar shop to the point where you have to drive me home. Fun. I need that in my life. You know what else we need in our lives? A hoax Big hoax. Yeah. <laughs> So there is a question whether this document is a big hoax, which is why it's on here, because it's like a big, giant fucking conspiracy theory stretched throughout time. There is a fascination with ancient books of history and mysterious knowledge, okay? And, and ancient astrian, astronaut uh, theorists. And the lesser-known ancient assassin theorists. Goddamn right. Yeah, uh-huh. So... What's interesting is at this time, and even today, you can obtain a quid, a quid, a quid or two of wealth and notoriety by fabricating said document. There were rumors that Voynich him fucking self could have made this book up. Of course he could. Oh, yeah. Another thought that uh, the letter sender bears some resemblance to a hoax that Orientalist Andrus Mueller once played on Krishna, right? Like, Kershaw. <laughs> Anthinius, that motherfucker. Okay. So he was supposed to know all languages and crack the Egyptian hieroglyphs, okay? So this guy got this bright idea to send intelligible text to Anthinius Kershaw with a note explaining that said mysterious, mysterious text came from Egypt and asked him for a proper translation. Now, Kirscher reported that he solved it and explained said text, but these were both cryptic tricks played on Kirscher to make him basically look like a dumbass. Because uh, I mean, that's the thing. You can just say it means anything because it's not like anybody knows. Right, and Mueller... Like, oh, this, the picture of this bird carrying a Pop-Tart, it's whatever. You know, like, bring me breakfast. Oh, hey, Sherlock. I think there's a trap with esoteric and cult knowledge, and I watch people fall into it all the time. And ego gets in the way constantly. Like, Kershaw's ego was so big that he fucking was like, I saw this weird Egyptian text, and Mueller's like, ha-ha, I invented it. Okay, so you cannot extrapolate meaning from bullshit. You know what that you know what that reminds me a lot of? Huh. Forensic testing. The science kind of helps negate the bullshit yes. a little bit. So <clears throat> speaking of forensic testing, 
Oh, we're you could have done better. I, I wanted a juicier burp. Now we're going to talk about how they brought. Me. I did. <laughs> how they brought in an expert named Joseph. I want to go with Barbie. Barbie. Whatever. From Macron Associates in Illinois. And in the documentary, this is where they, they brought this guy into the documentary. We started talking about like 45 minutes ago before we I should have made you attacks. watch the documentary again, but I don't want you to lose two hours of your life. Like the last you really one. Sh- you really should have because like I have nothing going on except for buying really expensive Lego things. Well, the next one's a true crime case. So I'll send you uh, the YouTube. It's apparently sold out everywhere. So I did very well. I want. I saw it on Facebook. I want that fucking bonsai tree. I'm really jealous. You should be because it's fucking dope. You know what else is dope? This documentary we were talking about, and the guy they brought in from Illinois to analyze the ink and the pigments to assess whether or not the work is authentic. Mm-hmm. So we're talking now about some Iron Fall ink, which also mm-hmm. would make a great. Band name? Ironfall? Ironfall Inc. Like INC or continuing with the INK? I'm going to go with INK. Yeah, I'm with you. I can think- we make that our band name? Sure. I can I can shake a mean tambourine. That's all I'm saying. So and I can play Iron- some wind chimes. Can you know? Yeah, I learned. <laughs> go ahead. Can you play the triangles? Not so successfully, unfortunately. What about the dinner bell? Play a dinner bell. My ability to ring bells and triangles is questionable. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> but I do know I do know that Ironfall Inc. was made in several several small batches and created within a reasonably close amount of time. All the pigments are appropriate to the 15th and 16th centuries. Such, you know, the blue ink was made from the right stuff. The red and brown pigments were made from iron and red. Some other ochre. bullshit. Ochre. Yes, that is that is ochre, isn't it? it is blue comes from a stone called azurite. And then when you're looking at red ochre and hematite, those are going to give you those red and brown pigments. So this hematite guy they brought in, what's that? Hematite is actually magnetic. Yes, it is. So this guy they brought in to authenticate this stuff decided that the text was real because the pigments were way too expensive for people to fake back in the day. And it would have taken a real artist to apply the color so skillfully. It's hard to work with. It very much is. Yeah. And the way that the book was put together was also very expensive. And, and it w- that shit. And this would have taken years and a lot of money to produce. The problem with this stuff lies within the fact that the drawings are so crudely and naively rendered. One lady thought this was because the whole manuscript was a thought exercise by a young Leonardo da Vinci, but we 
pretty much think that that's a load of bullshit and we're not even sure why they touched on it in the documentary. Yeah. I mean, that was immediately rolled out. There's no way you would have fabricated this whole document. They probably needed like 30 seconds more filler. They're like, ah, we'll put this bullshit in. This lady wrote an entire thesis paper on it. Like that's how much this document is a window into the researcher's perspective and not actual fact. I found the next segment a little bit more interesting. And I guess that's kind of fucked up because I'm a nerd, but all the pages were expertly written with almost no errors. And this is a superhuman feat for a fucking manuscript. Normally under a microscope, they can detect corrections or miss marks and things like that. There's like none. So to address this issue, they bring in historical coding expert Gerald Strasser. And he was brought in to analyze the actual text in the document. Fun fact, okay, in case you were wondering, no one has decoded this fuckery. No one. We still don't know what it says. Aliens. So what's interesting is, pre- well, I think this is all interesting, but previous history saw the best code breakers from World War I and World War II make an attempt to crack the code of the text. Big nada. Nothing. Zip. Zilch. So Strasser spends this really long-ass time explaining techniques for coding that don't really apply other than to rule them out as methods for writing said text. Ultimately, this fucker uses a computer to electronically electronically evaluate all 170,000 characters and compare them with known patterns of language. What they came up with was a whole bunch of bupkis, okay? Like that might be a vowel and that was it. A small number of words were determined eventually to correlate to high Latin and high German. In 1943, Joseph Martin Feely claimed that the manuscript was a scientific diary written in shorthand. Maybe a viable case, I'm not sure. But... Uh, This might have been, it's a quotation, all right? I'm going to try really hard. This might have been Latin, but in a system of abbreviated forms not considered acceptable by scholars. And these fuckers anonymously rejected his readings of the text. Like, they just threw that shit out. They're like, this is bullshit. You know what they said? What? Bye. (laughs) Bye. 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 I think also William Friedman Friedman was interesting to bring it. I keep saying interesting. Okay. Fascinating. Captivated my imagination when they brought in William Friedman. Now this, okay. There's a lot of motherfuckers in this case, but this motherfucker was one of the most famous U S army cryptographers in the 1930s. He injected that the text could be a constructed language. Now, this guy is so smart that he broke the Japan's purple cipher, which was a big fucking deal in the 30s. So, okay, so his theory of constructed language, which is sometimes called conlang, 
<laughs> is a language whose phonology, grammar, and vocabulary, instead of having developed naturally, are consciously devised. Constructed languages also refer to artificial languages, planned languages, or invented languages. And in some cases, fictional languages like, you know, Cameron and his uh, Navi. Okay. <laughs> like that's a fictional language. It never existed. So you can invent languages fairly easily, apparently, if you know what the fuck you're doing. It seems like you could be. Yeah. So the concept of constructed languages is actually very old. Okay. And you can find an attestment by John Wilkins, philosophical language written in 1668. 1668 was a long time ago. It really was, which is also time appropriate to seemingly when this text was written. Because you're still Mm -hmm. ballparking this shit at this point. Look at that. Hmm. Yeah, connecting the dots, the red strings are lining up. I'm not saying it was ancient alien assassins. But I'm sure thinking it quite loudly. Maybe. Could be. This could be a giant decoy so that they could slip in and murder. Might be. Yeah. Wait, is there ninjas here assassinating me for covering the voyage? I'm looking. At- the stuffed animals look a little suspect. Especially uh, the Yeti over there. Yes. Can never trust <laughs> a Yeti. <laughs> Actually, they have very consistent products that retain heat and cold to your beverages. Not sponsored. Though if you want to go for less, pick up the Arctic brand or (laughs) go to Walmart because they have their own brand, which is the same fucking bullshit for a fraction of the price. (laughs) Also not sponsored. Well, I'm sure we have a different opinion on the text of the White Niche Manuscript. We do, but first I'd like to put a shout out here that we are looking to be sponsored. So if you want to sponsor us, hit us up and we'll get you in. I mean, to a certain degree, because I keep I keep running Mystical Existence because I love her products. And I'm really sad because I'm a little on the broke, broke and broke. And I willingly and actively purchase said products. Hi, Maggie. I still think of you. I do. I, I I want to buy the thing. She's some lovely stuff out for Valentine's Day. Not sponsored anymore. Like, I just love her shit. So if it's a bullshit sponsorship, like, what would be a bullshit sponsorship? What would I refuse? Oh, Jeffree Star. Fuck that motherfucker. You cannot pay me enough to sponsor my, my podcast. You can die a slow and painful, agonizing death. Preferably... Well, it destroys your testicles from the inside. Speaking of testicles, if Manscaped wants to give us some money, hit us up. I'll talk about shaving my balls all day. Oh, my God. I bought that for the chef for Christmas. The ball toner and stuff. That stuff's amazing. Manscaped we'll, is... We'll, we'll, we'll continue talking about this when they pay us to. No, but, I mean, everybody needs ball toner in their life. Everybody. You need to take care of your testicles. It's important. So... When they sponsor us, we will continue this paid advertisement. But for right now, we are not doing any unpaid advertisements, except for Mystical Existence, whom we love with our very heart and soul. Yes. And and Cheryl's book. Yes. Did you read it yet? No. I gotta fucking send you a copy, because Transisolus is 
sexy and so well written. So well written. I was even having a discussion with her the other day because I go over to her house every Monday for dinner where I would let my kids read that book. It is so good when they come of age, like 15, 16. Next, though, we have to look at the opinion of linguist Gordon Rugg. Yes. Is he like a throw rug or like an actual rug or like an Afghan rug? Maybe a Turkish rug. I like a good Turkish rug. Yeah, those hold up over time. They do. In fact, they they only get more valuable as they're worn. I think you're thinking of Persian rugs. That's it. Persians. I was thinking of Turkish coffee, but it's Persian rugs. <laughs> it is Persian rugs. And one of the professors that my wife had in law school used to collect Persian rugs. Actually, if you want to discuss Persian rugs for a second, I need more room. Hold on. That's pretty much all I had to say about it. But I'll move on. So our Persian rug dealer here determined that this letter and book could be an encoded message. Oh, it's right. It could not be an encoded message because there's no cipher. And in his theory that the patterns of the quote unquote words were not typical to human languages. So it must be an artificial production made to look like a real language. However, there's these things called book ciphers where you have to have the proper book and the proper printing of said book in order to actually be able to decode the cipher. I'm sure he knows that, though, because he's Mm -hmm. probably more knowledgeable than I am. But it is a thing. No, it is a complete thing. It was part of the list of coding. Um that they were kind of like touching on. And I, I think that when you combine that idea with this Cardian grill, you're going to like really hammer it home. Don't read ahead. You I'm not reading notes. ahead. I went and got the Kraken because I'm drinking the rum. And then I walked back. And I have no idea what you said while I was gone. And the only thing I kept thinking of on the walk back was that I have another tentacle dildo. And I love the Kraken. I, we have not had a drunken stuffy episode in a hot minute, so I apologize. So now you have you have two or just one now? What's going on? I have two. Two? Have two. One's a bad dragon and one's a beautiful blue. No, it's not blue. It's green. It like glows in the dark and it's a tentacle and I love it. But that oh has my. nothing to do with the Cardian Grill and everything to do with the Kraken Rum that I am drinking. I do feel like the pictures of these, though, should go to the group chat. I mean, I can, I'm more than happy to accommodate. I'm not saying they need to be in use at the time. I just want to see them. No, I will send pictures of the tentacles so you have reference. Put them on the Discord. Now, action on there. It needs some more tentacle action. If I could redirect. How would that if you just said my line? (laughs) Redirect if you may. To, the, to what we have been referencing, which is the uh, card and grill. And that was used to generate random words quickly. A card and grill is made from a sheet of fairly rigid paper or parchment or from very thin metal. The paper is ruled to represent lines of handwriting and rectangular rectangular areas are cut out at arbitrary intervals between these lines. The enciphering places in the grill on a sheet of paper 
and writes his message in the rectangular apertures, some of which might allow a single letter or syllable or even a whole word. Then removing the grill, the fragments are filled out to create a note or letter that disguises the true meaning. Recipients of the message must produce or must possess an identical grill and able to be able to read the message. So copies of the grills are cut from the original template, but many different patterns could be used for one-to-one correspondences. And if you just lay it in the wrong spot, you can't read the, 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 the note. But you can use that wrong spot to generate garbage text. Is that like wrong hole? Wait, what? What? I didn't say anything. I heard grum hole, and I don't know what a grum hole is, but I need to know. Yes, close. <laughs> what was it? He's skipping wrong it. Okay. hole. The wrong hole? There is no wrong hole. That eh, depends on who you are. There's I'm, no not here to, I'm not here to lack of king shame. Okay. So, when you take all this information that Rug has started to put out into the universe, okay, he labels a possible author of the Voynich as a fucker named Edward Kelly. Now, Edward Kelly was an English Renaissance occultist and self-declared spirit medium. Guess what? Expert forger. Ah, I love a good expert forger. Oh, yeah. And Rudolph number two was a prime sucker with all them scientists on his payroll. Yes, Most was. of them were obviously dazzlers and crackpots. So, uh, Ed here, he spent a lot of time working with this guy named John D. And he was an Anglo-Welsh mathematician, astronomer, astrologer, teacher, and occultist. Ooh, we love a good occultist. Yeah, he actually had risen to a reasonable amount of notoriety. Notoriety. He became kind of famous because he was advisor to Elizabeth I. And he actually spent a significant amount of time on alchemy, divination, and hermetic philosophy. Now, Ed Kelly, the original guy, was said not to be Ed the, different. Guy. No, I love Ed Sheeran. I do not like Ed Kelly that much because. What about R. Kelly? No, no. I feel about Jim Kelly. I don't know who Jim Kelly is, but did you ever see the document surviving R. Kelly? No, that's not R. Kelly. Who was that? No, you're right. Oh, it was bad. I also like how the fact that, like, in like 20. 16 everybody's like oh my god r kelly's a piece of shit i'm like yeah we've known that since like the 90s that's like me and like everybody's like it's time for the football player what's his name what the fuck is he star quarterback for the pittsburgh Steelers, ben roffensberger yeah that motherfucker I called him a tool back when I was in fucking high school. And now everybody's finally realizing that said motherfucker is a tool. Yeah. Ever since the glove incident, if you're Pittsburgh football, he ruined Pittsburgh football for me. I blame Roethlisberger hundred percent. I'm sorry. I derailed us. You should be. Cause I'm drunk. It is your responsibility to drive this podcast responsibly. Choo choo motherfucker. <laughs> Okay, so 
let me. <clears throat> All right, let me take a sip. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. We're talking about Ed, of course. Yeah, Ed Kelly was said to be the only person on earth that can understand Anakian language. Anakian is angelic gibberish. Okay, gibberish. And it was supposedly dictated by angels who Kelly claimed to see in a crystal ball or mirror. So he's, I'm going to call this artificially scrying. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's fake scrying into a ball or a meal mirror, meal. Yeah. A meal too. Sure. An empty soup bowl. Why not? Oh, that's so, right. That reminds me. I need to get a refund on my dinner. What was wrong with your dinner? It never showed up. Fair. You deserve a full refund plus 10%. But D, okay, what's this fucker's name? John. John D. Now, he had been experimenting in optics as well. So he had shit like crystal balls and mirrors available. So the partnership kind of coincided there. Now, according to Kelly, angels were said to tap out letters on a complicated table and this table was something like a crossword puzzles, but with cells filled in with, you know, letters and numbers and shit. The first third was tapped out with angelic words written backwards. The following two thirds of each word was forwards. And there were no significant errors or discrepancy in word usage between the first and the following parts. Well, of course not. Why would there yeah. be? Look. If if angels can come down and tell Mary that she is going to conceive the son of God, why would they tap out this fucking crazy bullshit on a fucking table to some motherfucker named Edward Kelly, who's a forger? Why not? Okay, aliens. So, according to Kelly, the English translations were not tapped out, but he could envision the English on little strips of paper coming out of the angel's mouth, which he reported to see. Now, D would help write all this shit down. So nobody knows if John D was an unknowing accomplice or also a victim. This question came up because their partnership dissolved because the angels instructed the two men to swap wives. Of course they did. Oh yeah. Swap wife. Look, if you want to swap your wife, it is completely endorsed by the Anakian angels. 100%. There you go. Mm-hmm. Ed Kelly had the means, the motive, and the opportunity. So this is a solid argument. Of course, there's no proof. <laughs> it's just historical context, really. So the theory holds that the text of the Voynich manuscript is mostly meaningless. <laughs> it contains meaningful information, though, hidden in inconspicuous details, according to a stenography theory. Okay, so the second letter of every word or every number in each line, you know, could somehow mean something. And it's actually a very old technique described by Jonas uh, Trithemus in 1499. It's hard to prove or disprove the stenography theory other than because there's no examples. It's really hard to find other bullshit to back this up. 
what I thought immediately when they said stenography, and maybe I'm saying the word wrong, is in court where they have that little fucking shortened thing, that little yes. typewriter. Yes. And then they phonetically spell out the words by holding down certain keys. And it's incredibly abbreviated, but then you get full, beautiful sentences of court transcripts. Yes. Is that stenography? That is. Yeah, that's what I thought. That like that came to mind when they kept saying stenography. But I don't know that 170,000 characters is pure stenography or not. Answers on a postcard from the listener. Fair. You know what else is fair? The radio carbon dating yes. of the document is it's mind blowing. Yes. And this occurred in nineteen ninety-two. Which was that was a year before the Power Rangers or the year of the Power Rangers to date myself. Which was quite a while ago. So ninety-two, they radio carbon dated the animal skin parchments and showed that it was manufactured in a very short window between fourteen oh four AD and fourteen thirty eight. 8 AD, and this is with a 95% confidence rate. So this throws all the theories about when it was done and all that right out the window. Gone. Obliterated. Gone, gone like a fart in the wind. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes the scent lingers. Found <laughs> tucked between two pages there's a drawing of an unassuming city with swan tail turrets. The only place that this existed at the time was in the archaeological, I'm sorry, architectural features in northern Italy. I hate to interject, but I'm gonna. Okay, because no, don't lie, no. you don't hate to. No, no, we're just gonna throw this out here. Okay. Because I was a history of art and architecture major at the University of Pitt, which I throw around because that's all I can with $120,000 worth of debt. But my, I'm House Barnum. And of course, our favorite child of House Barnum is Tara, and she studies architecture. So, honey, we love, Tara. We love her so much. I still got to send her red ruby chocolate. I did not forget. But I would love to know more about Swantel Torrets if you studied architectural history, because this was not something that was touched upon in my studies of history. But uh, please proceed. You, you know what these these features give us, though? Um, more a, research they, for me. Sure. It gives us a period and a region for new clues to find the author. Yeah, because we can't just leave this book alone. Well, of course not. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I could. I have an 878-piece Lego bonsai tree to put together. <laughs> well, I could not leave the Voynich alone, okay? Which so. is apparently sold out everywhere. I'm very happy I found it. I only had to join a Discord server for 25 bucks a month to get access to sold-out shit, apparently. I sure like I actually joined it to try to buy shoes at a discount. It doesn't work. And I just keep forgetting to cancel before the month, before the next month is up. You know what's cheaper than $25 a month for a Discord server? A new theory on, on authoritativeship? No, our Patreon. Because we have yes, a $3 tier. We have a $5 tier. And the really fun fucking watch parties for the $10 tier. The $10 tier is rarely where you need to be. 
Oh my God. I wish I had more time the last time we did a wasp party to watch Andrew tell drunk story, not drunk story, but college stories about you. Because that was like a whole new perspective of Kev. Yeah. As soon as you left, everybody else was like, I'm out. I was like, oh. I'm so sorry. We'll have to. It's well, okay. actually, Tara picked, she won the house stairs just to podcast business for a second. So we have to pick a Monday to watch her movie. And Hopefully, since it's a Monday and I can stay up as late as I fucking want, we can have a longer post-movie chat. What month, what what movie did she pick? I believe we're going with Pet Cemetery. Ooh. So it's too late for the 15th. So I guess we're gonna watch that on the 22nd. You know what else we're gonna get back to though? Authorship theories. We are gonna get back to ancient authorship theories. Oh. Which is a variant of assassin theories. Which is a deviation of ancient alien theories. All right. So what do you got for me? It has been suggested that some of the illustrations in the book come from an Italian engineer, Giovanni Fontana. And they slightly resemble the Voynich illustrations. Fontana was familiar with cryptography and used it in his books, although he did not use the... Don't paw me in the knee, you little shit. Though he did not use the Voynich script, but a simple substitution cipher. In the book... uh, I have run out of my Italian. It's Secretarium di Cesario. Yes, that. Expiratorium. Imagine. Oh, wait, I spelled that wrong. Imagination is humanum. Hominum. You know what that translates to? I do because I have it in my notes, but why don't you tell the listener? The secrets of the treasure room of experiments in man's imagination. Because we could name it. Anything fucking shorter. No, of course Anything not. Anything shorter. <laughs> it was written in 1430. I should not have given you that much Italian. I'm so sorry. <laughs> At least uh, Bellacorum in Structimonium, the invader. And uh, this, uh, this book used a cryptographic system described as a simple rational cipher based on signs without letters or numbers. Now, in 2006, Nick Peeling proposed in his book that the manuscript was written by a 15th century northern Italian architect, Antonio uh, Averlino. Averlino, yes. Uh, he was a Florentine, Florentinian Renaissance architect, sculptor, medalist, and ancient architectural theorist (laughs) from the 15th century it was ancient therefore 
accurate. <laughs> How many ancient yada yada theorists can we come up with? I'm starting to wonder now. A lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he is perhaps best remembered for his design of the ideal city of Stephanopolis. I don't know. Sephorinda, I think. Whatever. Fazinda. Fazinda. S-S-O-R-Z-I-N-D-A. It's a word. This is the first ideal city plan of the Renaissance. Know why an architectural specialist wrote a botanical bathing medicinal guide? How did this guy like? How do people get whole books out of this other shit? Why not? Uh, mm. So I have a, a fun list to share with you of contemporary ideas of which no credible person accepts. You're you ready for this? These are the theories that people are coming up with. They've written books and papers, and the community of Voynich people, I guess, have refused. Would you say would you say they're ancient Voynich theorists? Yes. They have rejected these theories just outright. Okay. So actually, one of the most compelling theories is the one I have claimed here from 2004. Now, I, I'm more inclined to believe this, but hang in there. Gary Kennedy and Rob Churchill suggest the possibility that the Voynich manuscript to clear I feel out. Like, I feel like Kennedy and Churchill is some like bullshit we charge less law firm that you would see on TV at like 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> They even run commercials at two thirty in the morning anymore. Yes, but they're primarily sex uh, phone sex lines. <laughs> okay, which so also they, have websites attached to them for some fucking reason. Actually, I have a fucked up story that I should tell, but I'm going to neglect to tell it because I really want to get into Gary and Rob's theory. Oh, so what a fucking weird way to spell Gary. Continue. Yeah, maybe it's Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y. It's a Jerry without a J. Could be. I just I really wanted it to be Gary because I drank too much Kraken. Wow. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Get on with that. I'm sorry. We're at the very end of the document, too. So just, just hang in there with me. Okay. It seems like it seems a bit like we're speaking in tongues. Which is their theory. On the document. It's called glossolalalia is what I'm going to commit to, which is channeling or an outsider art. Okay. So if so, the author felt compelled to write large amounts of text in a manner which resembles a stream of consciousness, either because of voices heard or because of an internal urge. Now, this often takes place and an invented language of tongues. Although invented scripts for this purpose are rare. So there are churches where people speak in tongues, where it seems like gibberish, but this is supposedly divinely inspired gibberish that actually says something. So they're saying this entire document is written in divine gibberish. Now, Kennedy and Churchill's use Hildebrand von Biggin's work 
to point out the similarities between the Voynich manuscript and the illustrations that she drew while suffering from severe bouts of migraine. Now, migraines can induce a translate state to produce tongues. Okay, so predominant features found in both texts are abundant streams of stars or the repetitive nature of nymphs, with air quotes, in a balaenological section. This theory has been found unlikely by other researchers. Big shocker. Now, it's virginally (laughs) impossible to prove or disprove short of deciphering the actual fucking text. Now, what's even more fucked up is Kennedy and Churchill are themselves not convinced of the hypothesis other than it's plausible. Well, of course it's plausible. Yeah. Now, in the culminating chapters of their work, Kennedy states his disbelief that it is a hoax or a forgery. Now, Churchill acknowledges the possibility that the manuscript is either a synthetic forgotten languages, as advanced by Friedman, or else a forgery, as as look. My favorite thing is that Churchill concludes, okay, this is what's really fucking struck out of me. Churchill concludes that the manuscript is a genuine creation. Now, this could be caused by mental illness or delusion that somehow affected the author, whether it's extreme spiritual belief of tongues or just literally they're fucking crazy. What I want to know is what Huey Freeman has to say about this or Granddad Freeman. I really want to hear Granddad Freeman's thoughts on this. Hey, where did you come up with Huey and Granddad? There, it's it, it's from it's from um, Boondocks, not Boondocks Saints, the cartoon Boondocks. Oh, I didn't like that. I didn't watch. That. Oh my god, it was hysterical. Did you ever watch the Itis episode? No, I did not watch the Boondocks. Oh, you have to watch the Itis episode. It's hysterical. It just seemed like very angry children. I had a hard time watching that. It is, and I'm about that. You know what I'm about? One of my favorite lines is, you told me to have faith. Well, that's me having faith. Random random anonymous blackmail. Maybe my adult brain could appreciate more than when it came out when I was in high school. Oh, so good. You know what else is pretty good? This Nicholas Gibbs guy that we just learned, that we just found out about not too long ago. Yeah, really like three or four years ago. So this happened in September of 2017 tv writer nicholas gibbs claims to have decoded the manuscript as what the fuck idiosyncratic idiosyncratality that's it abbreviated words when i'm drunk (laughs) well you weren't drunk when you wrote this I wasn't, but I thought, okay, I'm sober and we can pronounce this. I was not anticipating to crawl into a bottle of Kraken. So he, as we said, not sponsored. They believe, or I'm sorry, this guy, Gibbs, not Gibbs from the TV show, Gibbs from who writes for TV. It's very complicated. You may need a flowchart. He thinks it could be abbreviated Latin. He declared that the manuscript 
to be mostly plagiarized guide to women's health. Why? Because all the naked ladies. All the naked There's ladies. So all many. the naked ladies. All the naked ladies. All the naked ladies. Instead of single ladies, were you substituting that with naked? I was. Oh, good. I caught under the reference this time. I'm proud of me. We're now going to talk about Professor Greg Kondrak, a natural language processing expert at the University of Alberta. It's from Canada. They always make good stuff. Except Together, for whiskey. So Greg and his graduate student, Bradley Hauer, I don't trust anybody named Bradley, what used computational linguistics in an attempt de- to decode the manuscript. Their findings were presented at the annual meeting for the Association for Computer for Computational Linguistics in 2017. Could that title be any longer? No. There can always be more words. Always. In the form of an article suggesting that the language of the manuscript is most likely Hebrew, but it is encoded using alphagrams, i.e., or should that be E-G? It's essentially alphabetically ordered anagrams. I feel like it should be E-G example given, but anyway. In 2018, Ahmet Arctic an electrical engineer with a passion for researching the Turkish language, linguistics, and etymological roots, claimed that the document that we've been talking about this whole time is a kind of old Turkic written in a poetic style that often displays phonetic orthography, meaning that the Arthur, the Arthur, the Arthur, like Sir, Arthur Car- Sir, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, actually. <laughs> That's who wrote it, actually. We figured it out. It's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. We figured Live it out. Live on this podcast, we solved the Voynich Codex. How many things have we broken wide open on this pod? <laughs> you're, you're, you're just we, like this. Everybody, through Denver Air- everybody who's gone through Denver Airport is a pod person. <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote this bullshit. <laughs> there was another one in there somewhere too that I can't remember. I gotta start. T- I gotta start a list. You also discovered the ancient assassins. I did. Yes, you could add oh, that to. They're your coming for. Part. They're coming for me tonight. We're so fucked. <laughs> you really are. You gotta. You gotta watch out for that. For, for that yeti on the end there. He's looking kind of. I sus. don't know. I really feel like which is more suspect is the blue reindeer. The blue? Oh, you can't trust a blue reindeer. No, those are shady motherfuckers. He really His name is, is Sparkle. Okay, <laughs> like there's issues there, and there's also a moose. Do you oh, know you can I always name? trust mooses. You know what I named the moose? Moose? No, Bullwinkle. Well, clearly. So where was I? Uh, our, our, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, I don't remember how I got there. Um. Meaning the author spelled out, okay, so we are talking about that phonetic ornithography, which means that the author spelled out words the way that they had heard them. Which is like my air rated. So this electrical engineer, we're, this electrical engineer we started this whole diatribe off about claims to have deciphered and translated over 30% of the manuscript. 
and has published these videos to YouTube detailing his claims. However, his submission to the Digital Theology Journal of Johns Hopkins was rejected in 2019, but to me, that's just max of racism. <laughs> All right, I have the last. What else happened? I would say, what else happened in 2019? That's your cue. Cue for what? Is that the cue? What? What the fuck am I missing? What else happened in 2019? It's the next note. Read it. No, I was gonna say I decided I signed my divorce papers in 2019, but the Journal of Romance Studies published a paper. We got a Gerard. Cheshire, and his article was titled The Language and Writing Systems of MS-408, which is the Yale... Okay, look. You can still see the Voynich Manuscript. It's at fucking Yale under that name. MS-408, which is Voynich Explained. Now, Cheshire, a biology research assistant at the University of Bristol to have deciphered the manuscript in two weeks. Two. two weeks? Yeah. Using a combination of lateral thinking and ingenuity. Goddamn. Now, he suggested that the manuscript is, quote, a compendium of information on herbal remedies, therapeutic bathing, and astrological readings. Of course so. On female physical and mental health reproduction and parenting. Duh. <laughs> you can look at the pictures and come up with that. I don't know if that's like a translation, but he is claiming that the manuscript is only known text is written in proto romance languages. Um, he says the manuscript, air quote, was compiled by Dominican nuns as a source of reference. For the Queen of Aragon. Okay. Yeah. So, any ideas that you have for this codex can be found, like, you can find proof somewhere else in the document. Like, this lady wrote a whole fucking paper on Juvenile Da Vinci coming up with this shit. Now they're coming up with nuns from the Dominican that were trying to serve, you know, Maria of Castile. The best thing I heard was a quote at the end of this documentary. And it was, it was about the Voynich manuscript, big shocker. And it says, air quote, I, I air quoted a lot. Let me just read the quote. The Voynich manuscript is a 600-year hall of mirrors, reflecting each researcher's imagination without ever allowing him to glimpse into its inner secret. That's very ominous. Like, you're really never going to talk this bitch. It's not going to happen. Do you know what, what struck my mind besides aliens? Assassins? No. Oh. And this, this was me. I'm watching this whole documentary, and they keep talking about natural languages. And then I read the Wikipedia, and I read all these document uh, uh, research articles, and yada, yada, yada. And it kept saying natural languages, natural languages. You know what's a weird universal natural language that we can even use to communicate with aliens is? Math. It's sleep. What no. if this book is written in some strange-ass fucking characters for math? Maybe. 
That's that's my theory. I'm sure it can find proof somewhere in this manuscript, but I'm wondering why nobody tried to take the math approach because it is a universal language. Maybe they're riding the struggle bus too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't speak the math. I barely understand the math. I don't have a strong foundation in STEM, which I'm trying to rebuild in my mid-30s. I'm working on it, okay? But not enough to try to decipher the Voynich manuscript. But what if it's like 10101110101111? Like what if it what if it's like Bender or the you know, robot creature yes. reading out of the robot Bible or whatever? Yes, that's Bender. Yeah, he was reciting it. Yes. Yeah. What if it's that? What if these characters are all fucking numbers and it's like encoded and shit for like a fucking CD? I'm just throwing it out into the universe. That was my theory. I should write a paper to Yale to see if they'll let me see it so I can hire a mathematician with my non-existent money. You definitely should. Patreon's new goal. Deciphering the manuscript from Voynich. So, ready for you ready for our weird but true? Wait, or do wait, we have something real, else? Real quick, before you do real weird quick. but true, what do you actually think of the Voynich? Do you not think that this is interesting, or do you think I wasted an hour of our time? Well, I don't think it was wasted because we did get an episode out of it, which we needed to do. So, but it's never been deciphered. It is the Buddy only Jesus. manuscript that has never been deciphered in the history of man. Yes. No, it's cool. I like it. It's good. I, I tried something different. We're going to do true crime because that's our bread and butter next episode. We haven't done a good true crime in a minute. You're going to have to define true good true crime. We haven't done true crime in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Hyde Nick. I needed a break after all those women in a basement. So give me a weird but true. Because I don't want to think about women in a hole in a basement. Pretending to be during, Buffalo Bill. During World War II. Okay. The founder of Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard was placed in command of a Navy ship. No, they did not put that motherfucker as command of a Navy ship. Wait, wait. I'm not done yet. Okay. During his command, he wound up being engaged in combat with absolutely nothing (laughs) for 68 hours and accidentally conducted live fire exercises on a Mexican island, which led to him being fired. Who the fuck would have put the, what, the, one of the founders of fucking Scientology in charge of I think of he was the founder, yes. Of a fucking ship. Yes. That is a terrible idea. I could have told you it was a terrible idea. Yes. The guy has fucking cans to decipher if you're being honest or not about your life while you're confessing your sins. Like, he came up with fucking cans. Wait, what? Yes. Who gave him a whole ship? I don't know. Wait, hold on. So he, he engaged in active combat with nothing for 68 hours. Yes. So if that was bullshit, how do we know that Scientology is not bullshit? Well, we do. But there's a call and people die for that shit. Okay. Do Literally. you have Do you have your book? I do. It has the eyeballs on it. Ooh. I don't know if I've ever properly displayed this for the video podcast, but it it has eyes on it. 
I feel like somebody's watching me. Uh, I debated rewriting the master list in a one to 50 because we're approximately coming up to half of my commitment to Sound Maiden. So hopefully I find that sort of initiative to rewrite the master list of the non-offensive dares. But I feel like you should choose one in the early 70s or the early 90s. 92. Good one. I was literally just looking at that. Perfect. Okay. Not offensive dare this week to earn points. Okay. Earn the points and you get to pick an episode for March, late March at this point. Okay. You're not offensive dare this week. Are you ready for this, Kev? Let's go. Are you ready? Let's go. You know, before I give the non-offensive dare, I really feel like Sound Maiden should put the rules here. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Okay. Was that sufficient dramatic effect? I hope it was. Yes. Okay. You write a non-offensive dare. You have no non-offensive dares. What is the dare? (laughs) Finish a page of a coloring book. There you go. Color the entire fucking page. My art teacher in high school used to say, leave no white spaces. That is currently the plan. That is your dare. There are coloring books available at the dollar store as other retail providers. Perfect. Minimum investment. All right. That's All it. right. We're done. You're ready to go. You want to build your bonds. Are you doing that tonight? No, over the weekend. So what are you doing tonight? You're going to finish your movie? Um, If it's still on, or I might play a bunch of video games. I gotta get on my Animal Crossing today. I haven't done that yet. All right, Kev's done. All right, we're done. End this episode. Is, this is not an Animal Crossing podcast at the minute. Just sometimes. Sometimes. So, uh, make bad decisions. See you next week. Same bad time. Same bad channel. Possibly new non-expired parent coupons. You have to tune in to see. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. 
For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>